Welcome to the COSEC Show. Join the COSEC Qatari Securities team as they share their insights on the Australian share market, discussing some of their best performing companies, macroeconomic news from offshore, including local domestic news, foreign exchange, as well as commodities. If you have any questions regarding the share market, our phone lines are open. You can dial in on 1300 854 151 or alternatively, email info at cosec.com.au. Exclusively on this show, each guest will reveal their hottest stock pick. For more information on any of the topics discussed, go to cosec.com.au. The information featured in this program is general in nature and does not take into account your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. Guests appearing on the program may own or have commercial arrangements with some of the companies mentioned. Before making any investment insurance or financial planning decisions, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you. Good afternoon, investors. My name is Will Brownlee, and welcome to the COSEC Show, where we discuss all things relevant in the market this week. Macroeconomic data, currencies and commodities, top performers of the week there was, and of course, our hottest stock picks for the week to come. Before we go any further, please allow me to introduce my resident expert, on the investment committee for COSEC, Mr. By the Dip, Dan Howe, I'm going to go Howie. Mr. Dan Howie, how are you today? Good, sir. I am excellent, Will. The sun is out. It's been a very positive week across the board. Nothing to complain about on a Friday. Absolutely. Afternoon. Couldn't agree with you more. We had an up week. We had a down week. We had an up day. We had a down day. A lot of stuff to unpack. But first and foremost, let's go straight to the main talking point of the week. This is something that caused a huge surge in the US markets and in our own markets. And that was Fed Chair Jerome Powell coming out and having something that we all knew was going to happen, but he affirmed it. Is he did. Right? He very much did. He gave the Bulls a very big gift on Wednesday. He came out and spoke at the Brookings Institution in Washington. He basically mm-hmm. gave an outlook on the economy, an outlook on maybe the way that the Fed is going to increase rates moving mm-hmm. forward, and just a general speech about the, the health of the economy at the moment. So he sort of touched on the point that they've done a, a lot of heavy lifting of rates already, um, and that he noted there is a, a pro- quite a significant lag between those rate increases and the impact on the economy. Um, which I guess, uh, you know, a lot of people already knew, but he's, again, like you said, just reaffirming things like that. So what he said after that, though, is the, is the really big key quote, which I'm going to pull up here. It says, Thus it makes sense to moderate the pace of our rate increases as we approach the level of restraint that will be sufficient to bring down inflation. The time for moderating the pace of rate increases may come as soon as the December meeting. So that sparked a lot of positivity almost straight away. People were, a lot of buyers entering in on that positivity. But the interesting thing was that he actually came out and mentioned quite a hawkish comment after that. He said, given our progress in tightening policy, the timing of moderation is far less significant than the questions of how much further we will need to raise rates to control inflation. So he's he's sort of saying it's not not about how quickly we get there, it's about where we're going to get to. Exactly, and also the length of time it will be necessary to hold policy at a restricted level. So to me, what he's saying there is, Mate, it's going to go rates, up. Rates are going to probably go a bit higher than anticipated in September, and they're probably going to stay there a little bit longer. But again, it was still very positive. The Nasdaq surged four and a half percent, the S and P three percent, and we did Down. follow suit as well. So we had a very positive day off the back of that, and we've, um, you know, I think we're starting to see a fair bit of positivity across the board, even with China starting to get some positive signs from there about some reopenings with regards to COVID nineteen lockdowns. Um, and I guess being a commodities heavy index, we've already started to see commodities rally off the potential of a reopening. So. Maybe that Christmas rally will come and could be driven by commodities. Who knows? Very good. And I just want to cycle back. I just want to have a look. I just want to... One of the big things I always say, and this is always quite interesting, we get this saying flown around all the time, 
by 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 the rumor sell the fact you know people don't react on the news the same way is it priced in is it not priced in everyone's anticipating what's going to happen this announcement from Jerome Powell about a 50 rate basis point hike in, in December that's not new news we no, knew that that was potentially going to happen it's, and yeah, we're being pri- and priced it's, it's in it's been priced in yeah we spoke about it last week mm. a, a last point if we look at the way futures yeah. contracts were trading yeah that was so it let was me about let a 75% chance of a 50 basis point already last week so let me, let me give you another postulation, and I will get our producer to bring up a chart of the S&P 500, okay? One of the big indicators of a trend reversal is when a stock starts trading above the 200-day moving average, which is, of course, the average of the past 200 days. That is known as a big, big trend reversal. Now, the Dow Jones has already gone above it, but on the day that Jerome Powell came out with that announcement, you will see, if you look at your screens in that chart, the S&P 500 went above the 200-day moving average, and it was announced on Bloomberg, I think, on the day, that there was actually quite a bit of algorithmic trading sticking in because of the, of the price action through there. Is there much merit behind that thought? I think so. I Can you give us some analysis? I wholeheartedly agree with that, that statement. I think they're, they're, with, with, with key points on the chart, where you're looking at moving averages, trend lines, you're looking at double bottoms, double tops, there is going to be a huge amount, especially at an institutional level, which is really going to push and pull on the markets, of orders through algorithmic trading. So buy orders, sell orders at certain levels. Um, and it's it's all also very related to stocks as well. You, there'll be lots of orders at certain levels and algorithms that, I guess, um, you know, picking the right time to buy and sell based on exactly where things are trading technically. And you're spot on. A big indicator of a big momentum shift into a positive direction is a, is a business or an index trading above that 200-day moving average. So I think that would have sparked quite a bit of algorithmic buying um, and it could be something that starts, you know, a rally that lasts a little bit longer than... Just well, I've got another days. thing to postulate for you as well then. If we could bring up a chart of the NASDAQ. Now, the NASDAQ is obviously the very tech-heavy one, okay, and that is probably the one that's been the punished the most. If you have a look at that, that is a long way down off that 200-day moving average. Would it be anticipated that when that we cross through that, we could see another big spike up in, in the NASDAQ as well? Yeah, potentially. I think that, like, the NASDAQ is obviously much more weighted towards risk on assets, very mm-hmm. tech-heavy. Um, I think there's definitely some merit to that as well. I think the S&P 500 is very close to breaking resistance at the moment. Um, looking back at that S&P chart, if, we, if you drew a trend line from the top, <coughs> the double top from the start of the year, yep. and you touch every peak on the way down, which it has hit perfectly, we're right on that now. So if the jobs data tonight, which we're seeing in the US come out, it's which positive. is very important, is positive, then we should see the S&P push above that, and that could be another thing that sparks a bit more of a rally and a few more buyers entering in. So I think tonight's session in the US is a very important one, and that data that's coming out is going to be something that does uh, definitely push and pull our markets depending on what gets released. Yeah, well, finally, I just want to take a look at we'll look at the Dow Jones now. Now, for, for viewers that aren't aware, the Dow Jones is obviously 30 of the largest companies on the American Stock Exchange, and they are traditionally industrial businesses, hence the name Dow Jones Industrial Average. Now, industrial stocks have traditionally favoured sort of, I think, less risky, sort of more sort of medium, the, the blue chippy type feeling ones. So there would be an argument to be said that they should be underperforming what the broader market is doing. But if you can have a look at this chart that we're going to bring up, you'll actually see that not only have we broken out, we've broken out very nicely, taken a new high, moved in a positive direction, quite bullish candlesticks, which is something that we don't often see. Normally, in a traditional sense, you'd see if the market's up, the NASDAQ will be up the most because it's risk on, S&P will be up next after that. The Russell might be up after that. And then the Dow will be, will be up less. However, we are seeing now, quite recently, it's like 20% from that low looking really Yeah, very good. big surge there. The big thing that for the Dow is 
If you look at that peak back from August, so that last big run up before that big leg down, we've just broken that resistance level. So instead of double topping there and falling back down, we have pushed above that, broke resistance on Wednesday off the back of that positive announcement. And in the most recent session, which is their Thursday trading session, we've now come down and used that as support and got bought back up a little bit. So very positive signs from the Dow Jones. Another Now, obviously, we'll finish off with our own chart. If we can bring that one up, because this is one that obviously all viewers are interested in. We're all invested in the Australian market. And you'll see looking very, very similar to the Dow. And I would even argue probably even a little bit better. We've got that very classic perfect double bottom. I've highlighted there on the charts the big corrections that we've had. So if anyone is losing money in the market or everyone has lost money or if any stocks have gone bad, do not be that surprised because the market has been choppy to say the least, and you can see that by all those highlighted points of the drops. But we have broken out very nicely and yes. uh, now seem to be ready for that. It does look quite good. I think that, that chart gives me a lot of conviction that we could be getting a Christmas rally. I think, as you mentioned, it's not been an easy year. It's been a tough year. doesn't matter where you're looking, how good you are picking stocks. Um, not a lot of people making money this year. You can look at even just look at the figures being released by the big, big institutions, like really you know, big jobs in revenue and stuff. It's been a tough year, but the signs now are much more positive. Um, and I guess a lot of the macroeconomic news we're seeing is also quite positive. So lots of positivity from the US. We are starting to see some positivity from China, which is currently being priced in, I think, which is why we've seen some positive movements this week as, along with China, that. China, yeah, it's huge. It's, um, it's absolutely it's massive because I know I've been watching a lot of those clips. And I remember a year ago, two years ago, there was riots in Melbourne. They were spraying people with pepper spray and it wasn't a good thing at all. It looks yeah. like in China they've got something very similar right now. And that's never Exactly a good right. Thing. And it looks like the, they may actually be trying to look, move away from COVID zero. They're, they're very strict policy there. I think there was an announcement by the big chief health minister saying we need to be more flexible on the severities and Correct. depends on a case-by-case -case basis. We're and we're already on the prospect of China reopening. We've seen a bit of a commodities rally. So mm -hmm. if we get the actual news itself, I know it's already probably started to be priced in, but the confirmation could really spark a pretty big commodities rally. And we all know being a very commodities-heavy index, we could have a, a strong rally to the end of the year. Very good. So, listen, obviously, you're a big fan of Christmas. You're not like me. I'm a bit of a Grinch. I'm sort of not, I, do I, I, do, I don't like Christmas. Everything's closed. It's hard to get anything. You know, alcohol stores aren't open. You know, it's, it's, no, it's, never, it's never a good time. Okay? But I do love the Santa rally. I have seen some of the most funnest times to be investing in the market has been around the Christmas. December. I'm a big, big proponent of it. Really like it. If we are going to see the Santa rally, if we are going to see a north, northward uh, jump, do you think it would be advisable to buy tech stocks as they are quite heavily beaten down and the NASDAQ looks like it's got the most to turn around and go into a positive direction. Yes or no? I, I do like the statement that tech, tech stocks are beaten down and there's, I think, good potential for quite significant gains, which I'll actually talk about on a business later on. But I think just the way the macroeconomic landscape is unfolding towards the end of the year, I... I'm starting to lean more, especially in the last week, week and a half, towards commodities. I think commodities have shown a lot of positive signs, even just doing analysis on the commodities themselves, mm -hmm. technical analysis. Mm -hmm. They are experiencing some strong breakouts, looking quite good. And I think the best performers that have really pulled that index up in the last couple of months have been commodities. Yeah, gold was just absolutely surged. Gold players just absolutely surged. We'll talk about that in the commodity section, which we might take a quick break and go to right now. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to take a short break. If you do have any questions for our panel, please feel free to take a video and email it through to info at cosec.com.au. Alternatively, dial 1300 854 151. Everyone that does, receive a copy of our book, Stock Market Success Retailing Endemics for $39.95. In the meantime, we'll take that quick break and when we get back, we'll have a look at your currency and commodity overview.
How do you get the highest returns in the stock market on a consistent basis? Obsessed with this idea, Michael Kadari forms COSEC, Kadari Securities. He seeks, in his own words, a revolutionary investment strategy based on better information and knowledge. Wealth begins with better knowledge, becomes his motto. He seeks to identify and accurately pick the next top performing stocks on the ASX. He seeks for consistency. Michael Kadari creates a unique stock market filtering system he names Lotus Blue, named after a flower that blooms just once. Because in investing, timing is everything. See how accurate COSEC stock picks are. Get a free seven-day access to Lotus Blue today. If you want the COSEC investment edge, you know what you have to do. Call COSEC now or visit cosec.com.au and take advantage of the insights he reserves for his clients. Welcome back. Let's talk currencies and commodities now. All things that shine, sparkle, fold, make the world go round. Missed by the dip down. How high can it go? Howie, something that's dipping, but now looks like it's going to go very, very high is, of course, the price of gold. We have blown straight through a key resistance level. We've broken out, completely obliterated all of those top dungeon channels, all of those Fibonacci drawings that I've done endless amount of work to try and isolate where they're going to go to. Are we going to keep going? What's stopping it? What's driving it? Indications. Yeah, obviously a very positive week for gold. We're up just shy of 2.5%. I will bring up a chart so you can our viewers can have a little bit of a visual there. You can see a very strong breakout, as you said, breaking resistance. It's also not there on that chart, but we have broken through the 200-day exponential and simple moving averages, which we just discussed, can be an indication of a long-term shift in momentum. So very positive. What's driving it? The dovish, I guess, uh, comments from the Fed. And a, and a softer dollar. The yeah, dollar's so been smashed. I guess with... Anything regarding, I guess, slowing down of interest rate increases and stuff, we will see a retraction in the US dollar. And that's actually fallen below its 200-day exponential and simple moving averages now. And off the back of that, gold did surge quite dramatically. So a lot of commodities rallying. I think when it's anything to do with uh, the Fed speaking, we do see pretty sharp movements in the dollar and therefore gold as well. And this week, it's been very positive. So big breakout for gold. Um, if you look at the last sort of two to three weeks now, a very big change in trend, very bullish price action. Lots of big green candlesticks, lots of uh, buyers entering in. So the price of gold looks quite good. A lot of our local gold miners are sitting very high. They've done very well. Can they go further? That's the big question I guess everyone's asking right now. Well, so you would have said that about Perseus Mining. So 10% to go and just up another 15% from there. Yeah, we, yeah. Do, we do have some clients still holding up onto that up about 40%. So it's um yeah, it's, it's done, done, done very, very exceptionally well. Exceptionally well. Mm. But um, is, it, is there still... Well, if we take a look at all of our picks that we've mentioned, Perseus, Northern Star, Evolution. I think Evolution we mentioned last week or the week before? Week before. Week before. That's that that's done very, very well today. Uh, ran up quite nicely. San, it's not gold, but Sandfire resources as well. I, I think broadly... Copper and gold concentrates. Yeah, I think, I think commodities is, is a very... It's the place to be right now. I think it is the place to be right now. I think there's lots of positivity, with even iron ore. Look at... BHP, look at Rio, look at Fortescue. They've yeah, all, they, they're all doing very They've very had well. a very, very strong surge. Let's recently. cycle over to a place that I don't think is the place to be right now, both from an ethical point and maybe even from stocks specific, and that is oil. Okay? Yeah, so um, oil did have a positive week, but if you Bit of a slippery slide at the moment. A little bit. We'll pull up a chart of oil as well. You can see a bit of a spike this week, but you can see a pretty big slide before that. We broke it. We made a new low. We're actually up about 6% this week. Um, but that's off, 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 off a pretty bad week before. I yeah, think. very, very poor couple of weeks for oil. A big thing, the big talking point from oil, which I actually heard on the news, <laughs> excuse me, just before we came in here, was that uh, 
the European Union had agreed on a price cap for Russian oil. $60 a barrel is the cap, which means that uh, Russia can, I guess, only people will only buy it from Russia at $60. Now, the, I guess the thing with that is Russia have essentially said anyone that imposes this cap on us, we won't sell you our oil. So it's almost not irrelevant, but it's... But it's, it's the premise, though, isn't it? Because they're, it is. they're doing something they shouldn't be doing. Um, you know. Correct. So that comes into effect on December 5th, which I believe we're in, it's the second today. I can't believe it's December, let's say that first and foremost. But mm. um, yeah, so that is the first time, which also on that same day, the European Union will impose a boycott on most Russian oil, and that is crude that is shipped by sea. So I guess the price cap on Russian oil, will it have an effect on supply in the market? Not really. Um, and that's why I guess both of these measures coming into effect at the same time, um, I guess the impact on the price of oil is a little bit uncertain because it's going to be issues from the demand side with the European Union not buying um, crude shipped by sea, but also the fact that Russia's supply won't be there either. So the, I guess, outlook for oil is a little bit uncertain, very volatile couple of weeks and not the most positive. So it probably didn't help today that uh, the first Tesla semi-trucks got shipped to the market. I did see that. Uh, and I think, um, yeah, it's, it's probably just not the space to be at the moment. I know uh, looking at oil plays, specifically mm. Santos had a big delay at a project they're mm. looking mm. to uh, launch in the Barossa. They're looking yep. to do a, a, uh, an oil rig down there mm. in the Barossa. And that's been delayed like three years. Apparently, it's going to cost them about $95 million. So they were down, I think, at nearly 5% today. Um, but yeah, across the board, I just think too much volatility and not the most positivity signs, I guess, looking technically and macroeconomically at gold, uh, not gold, oil at the moment. So probably just, you know, I, I do like commodities, but um, I guess your more tangible ones, I like gold, I like iron ore at the moment, I like copper as well. So I think I think it's also the, the whole idea of the actual validity of the future headwinds that that, that I mean, if this whole electric vehicles is going to take off, is oil really going to be the place to be? And I know we've spoken about it before, like, it was a big shock today that I saw that the Tesla semi-trucks have actually come out. And, and they're going to be, I think... It, it, they're going to be able to go something like 60 miles up a 5% gradient, which is pretty steep for a truck to go up there. They're going to be able to go 0 to 100 miles, or 60 miles per hour, 0 to 100 kilometres in something like 24 seconds, which is still pretty quick for, for a truck. truck yeah. For a truck, to, it takes a long time to get up there. And I don't know if this is true. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. But I, I saw that they're only costing $150,000. US. US. It's pretty cheap. I mean... I, I know Just people. I, I know, yeah, I know people. That man, imagine turning up like that. You know, imagine turning up to work in one of those. How cool would that be? But uh, I, it wouldn't be very easy to park here in Sydney City. But yeah, I, but I, think I about it. I know, that. I know people that spend a lot of money on a camper van. And I know people that would spend more than that on a Winnebago camper van. Mm. Hey, just get a Cybertruck and just remake that back. In That'd the be van. awesome. That'd it's be a great good. idea. But yeah, it's. It, I think long term it will have an impact on the demand side of oil, but. Short term, medium term, not so much. Not so much. I think there's, there's so many other applications as well. Like regardless of how much demand does deteriorate in the next 5, 10, 20 years, there's always going to be things that need oil. Like e everything that's made of plastic, like oil yeah. is used to you know, make plastic, things like that. So it's always going to be used. Regardless of people say, you know, I hate, you know, I don't want oil, this and that. Like if you didn't have things in your life that required oil to make them or produce them, mm -hmm people be, wouldn't be very happy about it. So there's always going to be demand there whether people like it or not, but not uh, maybe at the same level we're seeing it now. Yeah, very good. Thinking about liking people and not liking people. Sam Bankman-Fried, okay, crypto. What is going on there? Because I listened to his apology or whatever it was. He basically just stood up and said, I yeah, didn't know what was going on. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. But he um, also said like, I didn't really know what was going on. I was like, that. how can you how, not know? If what's What's been surfaced in the last month? How 
can anyone actually believe that? Like, I'm not a conspiracist, but when Alameda Research is giving him a billion-dollar personal loan, I think you probably have a pretty good idea what's going well, on. Well, the idea was he started up... It was, it was his brainchild. He started it all up, this 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 uh, exchange, um, FTX. Yep, and he did his own coin and everything like that. Then he started up an algorithmic training company called Alameda, and then his girlfriend gets made the CEO, or maybe didn't, whatever, whatever the reason. The point is, his girlfriend at some point was the CEO. Then they've lent him a billion dollars, and he's gone out there and said, yeah, I didn't know anything about the, the money. I didn't know anything about what, what was going on. I had no idea. Which I don't believe for one second, but even people that do, if you're in business and you're the CEO, you need to know. Yeah, of course. You need to course. be across everything. Like, that's not an excuse. Like, the fact to me that he's not in prison is astounding. He's wandering around. He's and he can just yeah. go and wander around. He's still tweeting. He's speaking at conferences. He's probably got six hundred fifty million in his bank account that's come from FTX. No, he says he's down his last hundred thousand uh, dollars. That's what he said. He yeah, <laughs> cool. yeah. No, it, it's it's very very interesting, and uh, it doesn't bode well for the whole crypto market. I suppose. No, it's, but it's almost like made people scared to invest in crypto, which I think crypto is going to be a big part of the future. Um, you know, they're talking about regulation. When once regulation comes in, it's going to go from a trillion dollar. Mm. Well, it's know, not. It's like eight hundred billion, billion now. now but yeah. like, think about when. JP Morgan, Morgan mm. Stanley, Goldman, they start buying. It's not going to be, you know, a couple billion dollars. It'll be hundreds of billions of dollars more flowing into the market, like huge, huge amounts. Like, um, But, yeah, I think this is a big, big speed bump in the in that sort of, uh, I guess, um, that, the How old was he? How old is SBM? Uh, SB F. I actually don't know. He don't must know. be. Well, he looks quite young. He looks quite young, yeah. Maybe we can Google that in the break. But, but it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, just, oh, I didn't know what was going on. Like, firstly... Th- I don't believe for a second it's true. And secondly, it was it's your responsibility as a CEO to know what's going on in your own company. Mm, absolutely. It's all, it's all like, it's actually like Wild West Cowboy stuff. I'm like, how is it? I, I'm astounded that that's actually occurred. Yeah. Essentially. And Crazy. he's still out there living his life. Crazy. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for your analysis on that, Dan. Back to yourselves watching us from home. That's commodities and currencies in the events that have shaped them. Now you're a bull or a bear. Let us know. one 800 Our phone lines are now open. But for now... We're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to have a look at what the best and worst performers in Australia were this week. Welcome back. Let's move on to our next section now and take a look at what the best and worst performers for the week were. Were there tears shed this week? Who lost money? And who 
as Christmas come early for. Let's take a look at our sector chart. Mr. By the Dip Dan, how high can it go, Howie? Mr. Dan Howie, you've got your chart. Enlighten us what's happened this week. Yep, so we'll pull it up straight away and have a look. You can see pretty muted across the board, but some big movements for energy. You can see energy down nearly 3.5%. Materials, though, materials, very, very strong few weeks from materials. I think, as I said before, probably my pick for the space to be the rest of the year has changed um, the last week or That's so. That's a real mixed bag. That is a mixed bag. A lot of muted sectors, consumer staples, discretionary, industrials, not really moving, financials down a little bit, healthcare, tech, communication services, real estate and utilities all up more than 1%. But yeah, materials takes the cake again this week. So yeah, a bit of a mixed bag, bit, bit of muted results, but um, across the board there is uh, definitely still some winners out there to be had. Yeah, absolutely. And let's just talk about a couple of things. Let's talk about gold stocks. Let's really, really unpack that because we're just going to go into that material space. Any gold stock will do, better gold stocks, worse gold stocks. Let me ask you a question. Northern Star Resources, which is probably my favorite gold player, okay, I've been buying it for people for a long time now, since way, way back. Okay, I remember when it first sort of came on the scene and everything, I think uh, the CEO of COSEC, Michael Kadari, he was speaking about it at $4 on live national television. Uh, I know Newcrest Mining, largest gold player. Those ones... Uh, very low. Even Evolution Mining, very, very large gold player. It's all the way down right now. Perseus, however, on an all-time high. And a high all-time high. It is, and it's still posting very and nice candles. So why why that? If they're both involved in, is it just a better run business? What do you think's in the metric there that can, you can really see? And even, I mean, if you go with some, some like DeGray Mining or even one like um, SSR Mining, okay, they've got good financials as well, but they're nowhere near as high as what... Um, what something like Perseus is doing. Yeah, so I guess there's a lot of things you can attribute to it. I guess, you know, um, regardless of the amount of logic and reason I can provide you as to maybe why, th we know the market, the way mar the market prices things is never going to be exactly mm. perfect to what's going on in the market, and that's why there's always opportunities out there to make money. But I think a big thing this year is, is going to be the operations for these gold miners. What's their production like? What's their cost of production like? What's their exploration results for the year? Have they, I guess, um, you know, made progress in, in finding new deposits, how have they gone this year? Because you can always post good financials if you have, I guess, um, ex mines that have been set up and, and they're running efficiently. But I guess when it comes to expansion and really... Being reinvesting. To, and yeah, yeah, expanding your business, reinvesting into the business and to the exploration and development side of things. Um, and Perseus just seems to have, a very, have had a very good year operations-wise. They've, I guess, expanded quite a few of their mines. Their production, is, mm -hmm. their guidance has increased price of gold is playing ball, which I guess has benefited them all. But I guess there's always going to be different little headwinds for the business. Um, I think management teams changing can be a big thing. Because mm -hmm. um, it's interesting. I think people in the in the commodity space now, and maybe I'm completely gone conjecture here, but I, I feel like the investing landscape back in 2015, 16, 17, 18, into 19, was very, very much set up for you buy a gold player and you can hold it for a very, very long time, you'll do very well. Buy an oil player, BHP, whatever, Rio Tinto, Hold it for a long time, you'll do really, really well. Since that stage, mate, if you've been holding your gold players, provided, unless you're holding Perseus, you are going to be in a world of hurt. Because I do know it's be, like yeah. some of these gold players, like Sapphire Resource, some of these gold players still down 40%, even though they've come up 20% recently. Like, it's, it's, it's just, it just hasn't been a market that has kind of encouraged people to, to buy and hold. Exactly. And what that highlights to me is that there is going to be always opportunities to buy and hold. I think if you look at businesses now and you want to speculate on what's going to blow up, like a prime example is lithium. If you want to buy some small cap lithium stocks now and hold them longer term, I don't, I don't think that's a bad idea. 
But big established companies, you need to be active. If you bought Westpac in 2012, today you'd have no return on your investment. 41% down. Like so many people yeah. I know, like they want to buy quality businesses mm. and hold them long term. And it's like... Yeah, buy upward trending quality businesses. Like they all, once they're, once they're established, people like BHP, people like Rio, people like Westpac. People Even like Woodside. Woodside, Woodside Petroleum. Woodside Energy, but Mining. no return till now if you bought it. Newcrest Mining is the same thing. They're mm. all trade in cycles. And sometimes it's actually irrelevant to the financials they're posting. Sometimes it's, you know, we get mass selling for, for any number of reasons. It can be the macroeconomic landscape. Spelling, uh, selling can get sparked from people taking profits that can change a trend. Mm. And technical traders then trade it into a downward trend. So there's a huge amount of things that can do it, but the, the cycles are what you really need to understand. So there's always opportunities to buy and hold, and I'm not going to say it doesn't work because there's instances that it does. Of course, of course. But there's no one particular investment strategy that I believe has worked. So I think, you know, certain businesses you can buy and hold. Some businesses you might buy and hold medium term, things that are really beaten down with a bit more upside. You might not need to be as active. But businesses that are big, well-established companies, if you look over the last 10, 15 years... There's always times where you could buy and sell BHP three times in a two-year period or mm, four or five mm. or six times in a two-year period and make 20% every time. You've just got to get it right on those cycles. And they're all, if you look at them on a longer time frame, they're all like that. All of them are going like this. Like They're never going like this. Yeah, of course. And it's it's a big thing being able to pick up on those cycles and it's I guess that's, that's really why the market is a hard place to, to do well sometimes is because you've got to pull everything together, macroeconomics, What's the company doing operations-wise? What's the management team implementing? What's their growth strategy? What are their financials saying? Uh, what are other valuations saying and why? And then looking at the technicals as well. So it's bringing it all together and then understanding, well, how long do I want to hold this business? What's the potential upside? Where's the risk? Um, I guess short, medium and long term. Where can it come down to? There's so many things to sort of weigh up and that's why I think um, you know, you've, you've always got to be active, not necessarily making changes to your portfolio, but being active and understand why things are moving where because... If an announcement comes out, if we see a very strong resistance level that's respected, things can go down and they can go down for a long time. So if you're not active in watching that and understanding why things are moving to where they're moving, it's going to be a pretty I think people moment. are always quite interested to hear because obviously we're investors here at COSEC. We buy for the short, medium and long term. Exactly okay, right. we, we enter into positions where we think they're going to go up and we hold for, for medium to long term. Uh, we, we're certainly not day traders. We're not, we're not day traders. We only invest in large larger cap stocks. If we were day traders, we'd go into stocks that move more. We'd even go into crypto if we wanted to, if we wanted to do the yeah, whole day trading. Yeah, you looking at your sort we're, of small Yeah, we are, we are investors and we, we, we tend to go favour the more ASX 200 listed companies and, and hold them long term. But we like to be very particular about when we buy into businesses at the right time. A lot of merit behind the whole idea of doing sector analysis and then really trying to highlight businesses that we think have got good sort of return from where it is. And I'll give you a perfect example. I think iron ore is a place that's been heavily beaten down. And I do think if it continues to rally from here, finding iron ore players that have maybe been sort of quite badly beaten down and then buying and picking them up and then take, uh, you know, having them sort of run. And a perfect example would be Champion Iron, which I believe was a stock that we mentioned on the show a long time ago. I think we've also touched on it recently. I, don't, I know we bought it recently. We actually yeah. came out of it at a profit yesterday. So it's 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 a, you're, you're exactly right though. I think you know you've, you've it's, there's so much to investing mm. as compared mm. like day trading is so different because you're almost just trading technicals. Whereas mm. investing, you and I guess our strategy embodies it. You've got to look at everything. I think that's what I was trying to highlight before with my last comment about how Perseus can be up so much, the other gold players can be down so much. I think if you were, if you focus on day trading, you have one set of rules, 
And those are the rules that you follow every day. I think with if you're going to go into fundamentals and macroeconomics and stuff and, and go into investing, you need to bring so much more to the table. In a lot of ways, day trading is a lot more Exactly easy. right. And that's what, that's what really highlights that there's so much more to a business doing well than just the underlying commodity price. Mm. Yeah, Let me ask you another question here, and uh, I am ranting a little bit here, but do you think it's over for the price of coal right now? Do you think coal players, are they are they going to go keep going back up again? I mean, uh, they had phenomenal run, Whitehaven Coal certainly ran, but then they had that big sort of 20% drop. Yeah, look, it's, it's an interesting one. There's been a pretty big spike in the coal players the last week. Um, that's a tough question. I, I think... Because the energy sector got, as we saw, got absolutely ruined over this yeah, last... Yeah, so I, I think they will remain elevated for a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. uh, the price of coal did bounce quite a bit this week, and we've seen Whitehaven Coal had actually briefly pushed what back above. What didn't bounce this week? I think the only thing I looked at my chart, and I look, I chart every day I come into the office, I chart probably... I chart... Fifth, what did we chart? We chart about 12 different commodities and currencies, the euro, the yen, everything. Chart everything. And at the end of the week, I always do what the performance for the week was. Yeah. So only one commodity, there's actually one currency that's down. Everything else is up. Gold's up, oil's up, silver's up, copper's Correct. up. As the dollar index. As the dollar up. index. Dollar index is the only one that's actually negative. It's negative by like 2%. Everything yeah. else up more than 1%. So, so I think they'll remain elevated for a little while. I think if you look at, and the reason I say that, if you look at especially over to Europe, the energy crisis there is very... Very mm -hmm. severe, and what are the countries? I remember talking about it previously on the podcast. I know France, I know the Le the Netherlands, I know Poland, and there's two other countries that had previously passed legislation to ban coal. Germany, Germany, Germany's one. one yep. I've already passed legislation this year to refire up their coal-fired power stations till the end of next year. So, I think we're still there. Could be some gains to be had mm -hmm. there, but it's it's really playing with fire. You know, they're, they're very elevated. The downside risk is is. Especially if this jobs data comes out negative tonight, we might be in exactly right. The, the downside risk is astronomical, um, but it depends on on your your risk appetite and and how long you want to hold and and that sort of stuff. But yeah, I, I think it's just about being active. There's the amount of times things are changing. Like look at mm -hmm. iron ore. If you looked at iron ore six weeks ago, you wouldn't touch it with yeah. a ten foot pole. But and then you look at all the big even Rio Fortescue mm -hmm. BHP. They're all up more than fifteen percent in the last two weeks. Like, it's it changes so quickly and there's always gains to be had if you're more active. I know sometimes being very active can, can hurt you in some respect, but, yeah, I think the idea of just buying quality businesses and letting them run, just it's it's not the place to do it. Very wise. Great analysis, as always. Thank you, Miss Dahawi. So that's the best and the worst performance for the week and the events that have shaped them. We're going to go take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to go to the final section of the show. How do you get the highest returns in the stock market on a consistent basis? Obsessed with this idea, Michael Kadari forms COSEC, Kadari Securities. He seeks, in his own words, a revolutionary investment strategy based on better information and knowledge. Wealth begins with better knowledge, becomes his motto. He seeks to identify and accurately pick the next top performing stocks on the ASX. He seeks for consistency. Michael Kadari creates a unique stock market filtering system he names Lotus Bloom, named after a flower that blooms just once. Because in investing, timing is everything. See how accurate COSEC stock picks are. Get a free seven-day access to Lotus Blue today. If you want the COSEC investment edge, you know what you have to do. Call COSEC now 
or visit cosec.com.au and take advantage of the insights he reserves for his clients. Welcome back. Now, do you think you've found a stock that's looking good? Do you think you could have found the next big thing? Why not take a video and email it through to us at info at cosec.com.au or send a text to 0422-972-897. Tell us what the stock is. Tell us why you like it. And we're going to track it over the week. The person who tips the best performing stock will receive their very own gold-plated Kadari bull and bear cufflinks. Those could be coming right your way. Just send us a message. To get things started, let's take a look at what our investment panel is looking at for the week to come. This is this week's Hot Opportunity. So this is what investors are really looking for. We know what gold, oil, and the dollar has done. We know what the top performers of the week were. Now, let's find out what our investment panel is looking at for the week to come. We're going to do that via the medium of Mr. Dan Howie. You had a conversation with the investment panel this morning. You've got your own sort of ideas on things, but you do have a pick for us. Let us know what you're looking at this week and why you like it so much for the week to come. I do have an interesting opportunity this week. Now, let's, let's go over this. I guess uh, I'll give you a little bit of forefront. This is actually a business we've been doing some analysis on for quite a long time. Um, I guess uh, looking really in depth at where it's trading, why it's trading where it is, and then I guess on the technical side of things, going very in depth on candlestick patterns to get an idea of maybe some good upside basis. What is happening? Just tell us what the stock is. All right, well, I'll go through that when I get to the technical side of things. The business is Appen Technologies. I think it now just goes by Appen Limited. Mm -hmm. And the ticket code for that business is APX. Now, Appen is a software developer and they provide and improve data for the development of machine learning and artificial intelligence products, very strictly related to language. So they provide language technology data and services in more than 292 languages and dialects in over 70,000 locations in 170 countries for a different range of industries as well. So they do technology companies, government agencies as well. So interesting company, tech company. Um, and now what I want to touch on is the fundamentals of, the, of this business. So they're Quite a fundamentally sound company. If you look at the last five years, they were listed in 2015, but we'll focus on the last five years of their financials. Their sales have tripled, their cash flows and revenues have quadrupled, and their earnings have doubled in the last five so years. So their share price must be just going ballistic. Yeah, well, let's have a look. <laughs> we'll pull up the chart and I'll discuss a couple of things about this. Firstly, Holy, what down is, the what hole. Is, we're what at, is happening with that stock? At, I believe I was looking today, we're at about $3.06 a share. Now, if you go back to August of 2020, this was up at about $43 a share. So it is down 93% from August of 2020. Yeah, its sales have quadrupled. Exactly. Now, that's what, I guess, um, if you do analysis on stocks, no matter what, I guess, strategy you use to pick stocks, that doesn't really seem very logical, does it? Now, we all know the saying, the market can remain illogical longer than you can remain solvent, but I'm telling you, most people that have bought this in August of 2020 are probably not very Pretty solvent. Pretty insolvent right Exactly now. right. So but what I want to focus on, and you can't really see it very much because it is quite zoomed out, but if you zoom in in that chart, the last three weeks we've seen consecutive high lows and high highs from Appen. It's broken into the upper Donchian channel. And For the first time in a very long very, time. Very, very long time. And actually pushed it higher. Today it had a very textbook, beautiful bullish hammer candlestick. Hit the top Donchian, pushed it higher. Pretty big breakout. Now, as I said, this is something that we look at, I guess, it, they're definitely short-term gains to be had. We have a few clients that hold this that are doing quite well on it. Um, and as I said, we've really been zeroing in on candlestick patterns to give me the I identification of that breakout. And so what we're actually seeing today. So I think um, 
we've entered into this at quite a good time. I think it's looking quite good. And I think I have quite a bit of conviction this could rally, rally a little bit further. And because it is so low, the upside is astronomical in that business. So it's interesting. It's interesting because we also had another business that, that's gone down quite a bit from after we took profit over. That was Kogan. And that would look something very, very similar. Heavily, heavily beaten down, had a big jump up. So I would urge anyone that's looking to get into any of these downward trending stocks that are really down, be logical on what you want to actually gain out of it. Sure. Everyone loves to buy a business and hold it and hope for a 90%, 30%, but we just don't know if it's going to get back there. We just don't know if it's going to get back to $43. I would be looking for a business like this, maybe taking profit off the table, maybe 20%, maybe 20%. I I agree. Like Pile some in and then... And especially how quickly this business can do it. As I said, we bought this business for a a handful of clients, what, maybe two, three weeks ago, and they're up 15%. So you can take it pretty... If you're taking 20% in a month... That's not too bad. Well, I always, I always so. like to talk to people uh, about sort of expectations of stocks. We have a lot of new investors that come across to us. A lot of investors come across to us from different institutions. A lot of people just getting into the market. A lot of people lose money on themselves and they say we want a little bit more help. We want some analysis for it. And we saw you guys looking really good looking on the podcast show. So we decided to come and you know, join your service. And we always say, right, what are your expectations? Because we need to be very clear about what we can provide people who are investing. We are, yeah, we're realistic on what we can do. We do not go into speculative businesses. We go into ASX 300 businesses and we hold long term. We're not aggressive. A lot of people say, I want 90% a year, 50% a year. And we just say to them, hey, listen, logically, the market's gone up about 11.5% over the past 90 years and it's gone up about 12 or 13% over the past 120 years. So to find a business that's going to go up 60%, 70% is not that easy. That's so, not yeah, that it's a great point. I think what we, everything we do is very calculated. Mm. We enter at a price for a particular reason. We want to exit at a price for a certain reason, and it's all based on support and resistance past price movements. Now, if we have a price target that's 8, 10, 12% higher, mm-hmm. sometimes we can hit it in four days, five days. Sometimes it might take three, four weeks to take 12%. But across the board, it's all very calculated. The amount of research and work that goes on in the background mm-hmm. to bring those opportunities is... Every part of the strategy is calculated, and the the, ex- the entry, the exit, um, you know, it's all calculated, and it's there for a reason. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think Appen's one of those businesses which is just so fundamentally sound, doesn't warrant the breakdown in the share price that it has. I agree. To go from forty dollars to two dollars is, is is huge pullback. Very similar, dare I say, it, to Magellan. Financial, financial. I agree, it's below ten bucks a share, how, and that was the same outrageous. price it was back in twenty seventeen. Someone spoke to me about this. Um, uh, it, was a, it was the same price as it was in twenty seventeen. In twenty seventeen, it had something twenty thirteen. Twenty thirteen, and what did it have funds under management back then? It had something like fifty million. Fifty million. Billion, I want fifty billion. Sorry. Fifty billion. Now, now it's got like ninety six billion. Was it something? There was something about it. It was like doubled the fund, and that was like it's no, it's no fundamental change. I think what I really want to highlight before we wrap things up today is an opportunity like this highlights that you don't want one strategy. Think about a portfolio you might have. Mm, mm, mm. You might have some longer-term holds you want. You might have some lithium players, some tech mm. companies, some battery companies, whatever you like long-term. It's quite low at the moment because, let's be honest, if you buy Rio now and you want to hold it long-term... You're buying a high. Exactly right. You want to buy things that are low, things that are new, things that, have things the capacity that you think in 5, up, yeah. 10, 15 years are actually going to change the way society mm. operates. And that lithium is, is my example of that. Then you might want something like Appen where you buy it, you might put a pretty deep stop loss just to be safe, but maybe no take profit and you want to hold it medium term. And when it hits 20 30%, maybe take profit off the table. But you still want to have those businesses, if you're keeping active and doing market research, that you want to be setting, I guess, short to medium term price targets for. 
and taking 8 10 12% profit off the table in you know 1 2 3 weeks maybe mm. and mm. you got to have you got to have all of that otherwise you know if you implement one strategy it's it's Just, more yeah. likelihood you're going to get it wrong mm. because you you can have things longer term you wouldn't be worried about the short term price fluctuations even something like appen mm. if you put a mm. 20% stop loss on it and you let it fluctuate because it will fluctuate and it does but just don't get emotionally involved. Don't let emotions, I guess, make uh, make, the judgment make, make rash decisions. Exactly right. And then there's going to be ones you want to be active on. So you've got to implement different strategies. You've got to look at businesses and opportunities in different ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think Appen's an, a business, like I said, you can't just look at the fact that it's gone down 90% and say, well, it's down 90%, I want to buy it. In the last few weeks, I've been doing a lot of reading and listening to Peter Lynch, mm. who is a very, very profound investor, did very, very well uh, for Fidelity. Um, and he says you can't just look at a stock and see it's gone down so much and buy it because it could still go down another two, three, four dollars a share. He said you got to look at the company. You've got to know the company, what they do, and why you're investing in them. That's a big thing. He always said know the companies you're investing in. And I think that's a big thing for Appen. Understand what they do. Artificial intelligence. It's going to be a big mm, thing huge, in the future. Huge. And you know, providing language technology to, I guess, break down barriers there for a fundamentally sound company to me it doesn't seem logical. Very wise, great analysis, great pick. I love it as always. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning in this week. On behalf of everyone here at the show, we would like to wish our clients, friends and colleagues a safe and happy weekend and we look forward to seeing you next week. My name has been Will Brownlee and this has been The Cosex Show.